Hey, Proof listeners, Kevin Pang here. When I was younger, I lived in a super happening neighborhood of Chicago called the West Loop. It had the hottest restaurants. All the startups had offices there. The vibe was young and hip, and I was living in the middle of the action. Then I became a dad. And there was a place I so wanted to avoid, but knew it was inevitable. I cringed at the word. The suburbs. I feared my life would become chain family restaurants and well-done steaks and, ugh, skinless chicken breast. I didn't want to dine in a restaurant with the word factory in its name, nor did I want to eat in a place where I was outnumbered by birthday balloons. That's how I envisioned the suburbs to be. Well, it's been four years since I moved out here. And you know what? My fears were completely overblown. We found a great takeout sushi place near our house. The barbecue place a mile from us has really great brisket. And that really cool Chicago neighborhood, the West Loop, well, I'm only 20 minutes away now. The lesson here, when it comes to food, or really about anything, home is where you make it. Today on Proof from America's Test Kitchen, what happens when you move away from the food you love? Stick around. No matter where you are in your culinary career, Augusta Scoffier School of Culinary Arts offers professional training that can empower students to reach their full potential. Ranked a top 10 culinary school in America by USA Today, Escoffier blends classic culinary methods with a sound business foundation. They focus on understanding and implementing sustainable practices in the industry to help prepare students for life-changing careers. For more information, visit escoffier.edu to learn more. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R dot E-D-U. Hey, listeners, Kevin Pang here. Looking for the perfect way to wow your guests this holiday season? Well, you're in luck. Driscoll's Sweetest Batch Blueberries are a one-of-a-kind proprietary variety, which are extra sweet, juicy, aromatic, and crisp. To top it off, they add a pop of jewel tone color to any holiday charcuterie board. For more grazing board inspiration and to learn about Driscoll's berries, visit driscolls.com proof. That's D-R-I-S-C-O-L-L-S dot com slash proof. Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Reporter Aaron Pang, no relation, brings us today's story. It's the last week of July, and I'm sitting on the rug in my room. I'm assembling cardboard boxes as my mom is sorting my closet into two piles, Iowa and not Iowa. I'm moving. I'm leaving the San Francisco Bay Area where I was born and raised for Iowa City, Iowa. I'm leaving my tech job to go back to school to become a writer. It's a big change, and I'm honestly worried. I'm leaving behind a city where Chinatown, Little Vietnam, and my favorite Ethiopian restaurant are all within walking distance of each other. I'm leaving behind my favorite Korean grocery store, Indian Spice Market, and Mexican Butcher. 
Growing up, I've been spoiled when it comes to food. Not only did I have an endless number of choices, but I've grown up in a family where food has always been on our minds. My mom always encouraged us to try new things, and she cooked a lifetime's worth of meals that would impress even the choosiest of eaters. So when I say I'm worried, I'm mostly worrying about what I'm going to eat. I've moved across the country before, and I know that for me, the rough edges of a drastic life change can be made bearable with the right blend of spices and flavors. And so, as I sit assembling cardboard boxes, I'm thinking about what from my pantry I'm going to bring and what ingredients I'll be able to find there. Like all grown 29-year-olds, when faced with the daunting task of moving your entire life, I called my mom for help. My mom became a stay-at-home mom after she had me. I am not ashamed to admit that she spoiled me. She cleaned and cooked and made my life run as smooth as one could hope. So when it comes to housework and organizational work, there's always a strange tension between me wanting to do things independently and the fact that she's just way better than me at it. Every time she'd tell me to do a chore, she'd get so annoyed at how I was doing it that she would just push me aside and do it herself. I know she doesn't like the idea of me leaving home for another three years. She worries about my ability to take care of myself. Our plan is to drive to Iowa over six days, and mom would stay another week to help me set up my apartment. Everything I want to bring would need to fit in the back of my Honda CRV. Mom shows up to my place with those space-saving bags. These bags shrink my mounds of clothes into packages that look like vacuum-packed meats. She perfectly Tetris's decorations into cardboard boxes, and overnight, my life becomes movable. It's the Friday before we leave, and we have one final room to pack, the kitchen. I want to bring everything. Mom does not. So we don't want no deep fryer. No deep fryer. Okay. So this small one too. You want that? Yeah, I think this is a great... The thing that I'm saddest to leave behind is my perfectly seasoned wok. The wok was basically a single sheet of dark gray metal pressed into a concave disc that I bought for $30 at the Chinatown restaurant supply store. There's music when a stir-fry comes to life in that wok. But the Iowa apartment I signed a lease for didn't have a gas stove, so the wok didn't make the cut. There's something symbolic about leaving behind the wok. Leaving behind something that's a staple of all Chinese kitchens. After we're done packing, my life is boiled down to six boxes and two large suitcases. The back seats of the CRV are folded down and packed snug with the contents of my life. The day before we leave, I'm sitting on my bed, aimlessly scrolling on my phone, feeling weird. I'm leaving tomorrow at 7 a.m. And so it's, it's a little surreal. I'm definitely a little bit scared right now. Definitely realizing how much I'm leaving, like what I'm actually leaving behind here. It's not just food, but like family and friends and people. I pull up Yelp because the unknowns of a small college town are scary. I set the location of my search from the default of Oakland, California to Iowa City, Iowa. I type one word into the search bar, Chinese. Oakland has 24 pages of results for Chinese food, but for Iowa City, there are only three. The first two results looked like your typical Americanized Chinese restaurants. The menus had all of the classics, 
orange chicken, beef and broccoli, chicken chow mein, and combination fried rice. The reviews rave about how great these places are for takeout. Both have a rating of 4.5 stars out of 5. As I continue to scroll, one particular restaurant catches my eye. The establishment is called Sichuan House, or Sichuan House, and it, unlike other listings, only has 3.5 stars. For Chinese food, 3.5 stars is what I'm looking for. 3.5 star Chinese food is cooked by stoic Chinese cooks who've spent a lifetime stir-frying over a hot wok. If you take a deep dive into the reviews for almost any 3.5 starred Chinese restaurant, odds are the complaints are about service, about how the wait staff are rude or how they didn't refill the waters fast enough. A review from Haley B from Iowa City says, the sesame chicken was crispy and the sauce was pretty good. The service, dot, 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 not so great. I'm happy to eat at a restaurant with good flavors and shoddy service. In fact, the auntie sling dumplings in Oakland Chinatown have never once smiled at me, and I've always left feeling full and satisfied. The photos of Szechuan House gave me hope. The menu offered gold pepper fish, pork ear with chili oil, and roasted duck. I add Szechuan House to my Yelp bookmarks. Szechuan House might not be able to replace a whole Chinatown, but it might be able to ease my inevitable homesickness, and that is comforting. It's the morning of our departure, and Mom and I are eating green onion pancakes and eggs for breakfast. Dad is repacking the corner of the car because he's worried about the things shifting on our drive. He's not coming. The trip will just be me and Mom. When I walk out to the car, Dad gives me a hug. He also doesn't love the idea of me being so far from home. He tells me that it's okay to come home if the program's not right for me. He says that it's okay to give up. As we get into the car, there's a chill in the Northern Californian morning. With the address of our first hotel and the GPS, I pull out of the driveway of my childhood home, down the hill that I've descended a thousand times, and onto Highway 580, heading east. After three hours on the road, our first stop is for lunch at a classic Californian institution. Uh, every road trip, I have to start in and out. This is the only chance. I yeah, we're leaving California. Mm-hmm. The route we're taking into Iowa is a little bit roundabout. Instead of a straight shot through Utah and Colorado, we've decided to drive through the Southwest. We thought it would be fun and efficient to check a few more states off of mom's bucket list. We'll first drive down to LA and then to Flagstaff, Arizona, Santa Fe, New Mexico, through Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and finally to Iowa City, Iowa. We pangs are people who get hangry easily. Our ability to drive long distances is constrained by how hungry we are. So naturally, the schedule of our road trip is heavily dependent on what and when we eat. If you can't tell by now, I'm a jaded and judgmental eater. I pass swift and harsh judgments on a restaurant's menu. My mom, on the other hand, can be endlessly optimistic. While I'm slow to trust a local's recommendation, mom can get excited about any culinary establishment. It's day two of our drive. Our destination is Flagstaff, Arizona. It's around noon when we stop for gas. We run into the station for a bathroom break 
And as I'm walking out, in typical fashion, mom is chatting up a young woman working behind the counter. Mom's asking about places to eat. The young woman doesn't know what to say, but mom squeezes two recommendations out of her. One's a place called The Wagon Wheel, serving classic diner fare. The other is a Chinese restaurant called Panda Garden. For breakfast, we had sausage egg McMuffins and hash browns. So instead of doing a second round of American breakfast, we decide to chance it at Panda Garden. Panda Garden used to be a Denny's. I have no way to prove it, but I have been in enough Denny's to immediately recognize the architectural skeleton when we walk in. The Chinese waitress does not get up to greet us. She's rubber banding together napkins and chopsticks for the days to go orders. Instead, a man with a mask around his chin and a toothpick in his teeth slides two laminated menus onto the table. We immediately start deliberating. You want Mongolian beef? You want Mongolian beef? Okay. Do they have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Mongolian beef? So let's just do Mongolian beef. I'm not sure. No? Yeah. What was the, the, the Mongolian with the scallions and mushrooms? No. Have a steak. Okay, Seems fine. like I have more vegetables. This is how every meal goes. Every meal is a negotiated dance, a back and forth of opinions and tastes, each of us contributing our own thoughts so we can order the best collective meal possible. We end up ordering two lunch specials, one pepper steak and one sautéed mixed vegetable dish. Each lunch special comes with a soup, appetizer, and rice. The moment the food hits the table, we pass judgment. Thank you. Oh, that looks nice. This fried rice looks really sad. Let's see if we can count how many pieces of beef there are. <laughs> can we? Oh, okay, it's, it's hidden underneath all the onion. We're such haters. I knew such haters. Okay, you're a hater too. Okay, I get it from somebody. <laughs> Let the recording show that my mom is smirking because I am right. That I get it from. I get it from somebody. I know. As we start eating, we do what we always do. We start talking about other food. The act of eating reminds us of all of our favorite food memories. It also makes us think about the other things we want to eat. Mom tells me about this old video she saw, where this old couple living in rural China cook pig intestines and steam whole fish. I have also seen that video. The food they cook looks amazing. Our food, on the other hand, is disappointing. The beef is sickeningly sweet. Mom's veggie stir-fry isn't bad. It's clean and not too heavy. She offers me her egg roll. I will a bite. Okay. <coughs> egg roll is pretty good. Yeah. The veggie is veggie. It's not sweet. Mm. Right? Eat it. Eat it. I'll eat the rest of it. Mom has always fed me first spooning food into my bowl, helping me shell shrimp, and giving me the best bite, even if, in this case, the best is a mediocre egg roll. We eat and continue talking. We move off the topic of food, and she tells me that yesterday was her 40th anniversary since immigrating to the United States. Was it 40 years ago? Yeah, 40 years, 81. So 21, 1981. And this August 9th? August 8th. You came on August 8th. 1981? Yeah. Why did you, of course you came on August 8th. Spa, ba, ba, ba. No, no, no. I didn't even think about it. 
The word for eight and prosperity sounds similar in Chinese, which means that it is fortuitous that she came on August 8th, 1981. I didn't know that yesterday was her immigration anniversary. I wouldn't have known this fact if we hadn't eaten at Panda Garden. The meal doesn't seem so disappointing anymore. The road trip continues. The Southwest is beautiful to drive through. The thin four-lane freeway of I-44 is painted against the warm and red-brown sands that extrude into dramatic rock formations. The meals are less spectacular. They aren't all bad, just very hit or miss. The beer garden in Flagstaff that a friend recommended had good sliders and drinks. The next day, we get up to see the sunrise at a national park famous for its pueblos. Unfortunately, it's overcast. As the ancient native dwellings slowly come into the light of day, mom and I sit and share brie and salami sandwiches that we made in the hotel room. There's serenity in nature and French cheese. In Gallup, New Mexico, the waitress is so nice, but the pasta is so bad. We order an Italian sausage spaghetti with vodka sauce with a side of Alfredo fries, but we can't eat more than a few bites. We ask for a box because mom is embarrassed at how much food we've left uneaten. We throw the box away in the trash outside. As we drive farther and farther away from the Bay Area, we eat at places that feel like carbon copies of each other. Nothing notable, just fine. Throughout the trip, the reality of mediocrity builds a pit of dread in my stomach. It all just feels like a culinary foreshadowing of what Iowa City will be like. Hundreds of miles roll past, and we suck on dried candied plums mom had packed. They make us wince with their tartness, but the road is straight enough that we can afford to close our eyes for a moment of sour stimulation. As I drive, I put out my hand and she would place a morsel of snack into it. We pop toasted pecans, eat salty chips, and share bitter chocolates. She tells me about how she didn't grow up with snacks because everything back then in China was rationed. The closest thing she had for a snack was rice that was toasted in a wok. They ate it plain because salt was precious. As New Mexico turns into Oklahoma and then into Kansas, we trade Frito pies for barbecue. A very welcomed change. The final night before we drive into Iowa City, we eat ribs and burnt ends in the parking lot of the famous Joe's Barbecue. That's the best meal of the trip. By the time we're wiping barbecue sauce off our fingers, We'd been driving for a total of 33 hours and over 2,000 miles. Mom told me stories from her childhood, and I shared my dreams for this new adventure in writing. We have four more hours of driving left until Iowa City. And by the time we get there, it would have been almost a week since Panda Garden. We are getting twitchy for Chinese food. When we return, Aaron and his mom make it to Iowa City. Who doesn't like trying new wines? Naked Wines makes it super easy to do just that. Not only do they deliver wine directly to your front door, they also fund some of the world's most experienced independent winemakers to produce their passion projects. 
When you join their 300,000 member angel community, you're helping to fund hundreds of exclusive wines you can't find anywhere else. Each wine is the culmination of the passion and artistry of an experienced vintner. So join the community and get your angel wings. Get started today and save a hundred bucks off your first order of $140. A six bottle case starts at just $39.99. Visit nakedwines.com slash holidayproof21 and have yourself a glass of your own. Naked Wines, from the winemaker to your door. Eating great food is one thing. The prep and cleanup afterwards is, well, something else. That's where Kohler comes in. When prepping for recipes, you can tell the voice-controlled faucets to dispense measured amounts of water. Kohler's faucets also feature a sweep spray to quickly get any gunk off of your dishes. Even if your hands are messy, you can wave on and off the touchless faucets. That way, you can clean with ease. Visit Kohler.com to learn more. And now, back to our story. The change in the landscape feels strangely sudden. Once we cross into Iowa, unending rows of corn stalks shoot up along the freeway. It is as if the state is telling us that it is proud of its corn-based reputation. They should be proud. There's something beautiful about the sight of corn stalks that tower overhead. Mom drives the last leg of the journey, but seeing this sight is exciting for both of us, and so she makes me take blurry pictures as we speed by endless farmland. We pull into Iowa City around 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon. We skipped lunch to drive, so after checking into the hotel, we're starving for dinner. It happens to be mom's birthday, so naturally we want Chinese food. As luck would have it, Szechuan House, the restaurant I had yelped a week back, is only two blocks away. I guess there are benefits to living in a small town. The August Iowan sun is hot and muggy, and I'm already sweating before I even smell the chili oil. Across the street is a come and go, a gas station we don't have in California. According to Yelp, Szechuan House underwent a renovation in the last two years, and so the interior now looked like a strange mix of high-end IKEA furniture and traditional Chinese decor. The two servers are young Chinese immigrants who came to the States within the last five years. I can tell because their haircuts are way too cool. Our initial impression is good. It's pretty legit. It's legit? That's good? Uh-huh. Do they deliver? Probably. Oh, go have a hub. Yeah. We are handed menus that resemble small tomes, and we immediately fall into them, the way us millennials did with the Harry Potter books. A good Chinese menu is both comforting and delightful. It's filled with classics, the things you've been raised to love. But a good menu always has surprises too, dishes whose Chinese names are at times more poetry than description. What is this? Braised pork bone with soy. Mm-hmm. Really? Thank you. Oh, they have Oh, this is nice. Yeah, yeah, this one. Oh my goodness. Our enthusiasm refocuses to the meal at hand. I point out a picture of a pot of fish fillets swimming in a stew of chili oil and dried chili peppers. Deliberation begins. Can we just eat this? 
Yeah, that looks so good. Yeah. You have to ask them how hot they're going to be. Yeah, I think it'll be not too bad. 水煮鱼, yeah, 水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水煮鱼。水
Very good. Is it good? Maybe I'm hungry. No, I, I mean, know. we are hungry. I haven't eaten really eat lunch. I mean, this is my questions, right? Where it's like, where do they get these noodles? Where I like, yeah. I want to I wanna know where they go grocery shopping. Oh, you steal this. Uh, yeah. Pepper, yeah. That, 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 pepper yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk with our mouths yeah. full. Our taste buds buzz with every bite. The mala flavor causes sweat to ooze from our foreheads. I finish the first serving of noodles as the other dishes arrive. Oh my goodness. The fire red fish stew comes in a bowl big enough to wash your face in. The potato stir fry holds the scent of a hot wok and fragrant green bell peppers. And the pork belly slices are glazed in a golden oil that smells of fresh garlic. There are little Szechuan peppercorns in everything. The tingling goes all the way to the back of your throat. And I also might have peanuts. I'll be okay. You don't have to eat it. Definitely a little bit peanutty. The mala spice doesn't disguise the itchiness that started creeping up around the corners of my mouth and throat. That's always the problem with eating Szechuan food. It's hard to tell if the tingling is the mala spice or the peanuts. But we continue to eat because the meal was too tasty. I can and will push through. As we eat, we discuss our plans for the week. We talk about needing to go shopping for furniture and groceries for the apartment. The spice causes us to consume large amounts of water. As the waiter comes to refill our glass, mom interrupts him. Hey. She asks the waiter where the restaurant buys their groceries. He says they actually order from a wholesaler, but there's a Chinese grocery store in town. The waiter takes out his phone and pulls up Google Maps and shows us the local Chinese grocery store, Starlight Market Number 3. He asks mom where we're from and what I'm studying. Mom tells him that we're from California and that she's so glad that there's a good Chinese restaurant in town. He seems very happy with the compliment and offers to add me to a WeChat group. It offers restaurant specials that aren't on the menu. There are about 150 other Chinese students in this group. I get added and I suddenly feel like I'm joining an exclusive club. I didn't even have this kind of hookup in Oakland and I grew up there. As he and mom make small talk, my eating has slowed and mom notices. That's I'm definitely okay with the fish. This is definitely has peanuts in it. There's some nuts. I think oh, the... 100% has peanuts in it. Okay. It's, I'm fine. Okay. Again, I'm fine. So next time, just don't order this. Mm-hmm. I start to feel slightly nauseous, but I'm mostly fine. My allergy isn't that bad. I'm fine. I'm fine. If I eat a little more, that will settle my stomach, and I'll be fine. Mom nods hesitantly. And we keep eating and talking about the food. For me, this dish has a little bit of vinegar. Mm-hmm. Mom says she would probably add vinegar to the potatoes. Pretty good, though. This is very good. I want to know how to make this dish. I want to know how to make this potato dish. So easy. Now, I stop eating completely. The peanuts are definitely in the noodles, either as an oil or paste. Mom looks very worried. I try to convince her that I'm all right, but I'm beginning to struggle. My sweating is no longer due to the spicy food. 
We were planning to start moving some stuff into the apartment after dinner, but she doesn't think it's a good idea anymore. We get the check, pack the leftovers, and she asks, It's going up? No, no, I'm not gonna throw up. They're just like, Is it going up? No, no, no. I puke on the way back to our hotel. I throw up the entire dinner. The noodles, the fish, the potato, the pork belly, all of it. It all goes into the bush next to the sidewalk. But mom is there. She rubs my back as I gargle from a water bottle that she had in her purse. I feel terrible, not just because of the allergic reaction, but I feel so guilty because it was her birthday dinner. When I look at her, I can tell that she feels worse. She thinks it's her fault because she was the one who wanted the noodles. When we get back to the hotel, I take some Benadryl. Throughout the evening, she keeps checking in to make sure I'm all right. She keeps apologizing. I tell her that it's okay. This has happened before and it will happen again. Around 10 p.m., she's gone to bed and I eat a bag of Cheez-Its because I'm slightly hungry. All in all, a pretty successful day. I'm serious. I'm not joking. We found at least one good Chinese restaurant in Iowa City. Other Yelp reviewers might destroy Szechuan House for their careless cross-contamination, and I wouldn't blame them. Food allergies can be quite serious. But if I swore off every restaurant that's made that mistake with me, I'd have no Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, and even Indian restaurants to go to. We were thoroughly pleased with the meals that we ate at Szechuan House. The service was excellent, we got leads for our grocery goals, and I was added to an exclusive WeChat group. Most importantly, the flavors were on point. The restaurant made one mistake. That night, I went home itchy and nauseous, but I know that there will be nights in the future where I leave Szechuan House happy and full. I'm very happy to give Szechuan House three and a half stars out of five. Unpacking goes well. The two of us are able to slowly transfer everything from the back of my car up to my one-bedroom apartment. We thought we were going to need movers, but we ended up being pretty self-sufficient. We clean the apartment, build a dresser, assemble a bed frame, and unpack the entire kitchen. Wait, well, yeah, what's still not fitting? The fish sauce? Okay. Mom figures out a way to fit the fish sauce with all of the other sauces, condiments, and spices. We're pleased with ourselves. In those first two days, we eat bagel sandwiches, have lunch at a local diner, and finish the leftovers from Szechuan House for dinner. By day three, we know we need to go grocery shopping. It's been almost two weeks of eating out. Our destination is Starlight Market number three. I'd spent some time looking on Google, but I was never able to find market number one or number two. Anyways, Starlight occupies the corner unit of a one-story strip mall. The ceilings are low and 15-pound bags of rice almost block the front door. As we park, a Chinese family of four walks in. A man, a woman, and two young kids. Mom enters ahead of me. Oh wow, they have like whole jackfruit. You wanted this or have that. Mom's already putting things into the shopping basket. She hands me two packs of frozen scallion pancakes right as I walk into the store. Look, they have tongkwa. Huh? They have tongkwa. They have winter melon. Ooh, and they have durians. 
Where are we going? Oh, okay, okay. The store is cramped. As you walk in, on the right is a densely packed section of fresh vegetables. The veggies sit in large plastic crates and cardboard boxes. I'm happy to see their wide array of Chinese greens, ranging from bok choy to gailan. There's a hominess to the clutter and overflow. It reminds me of the groceries in Chinatown that just kind of naturally spill into the street. Yeah, we can do some frozen dumplings. What brand is good? They have a nice variety of frozen dumplings. There's pork with pickled nap cabbage, seafood and chives, among others. We grab two bags. Mom knows that I get lazy sometimes, and these dumplings are great for lazy people. The shelves are packed with everything I need. I feel silly driving my bottle of fish sauce across the country because they have it at Starlight. But mom always taught me to be prepared, so finding everything here was a pleasant surprise. With a full pantry, I spend the rest of the week splitting my time scouring Facebook Marketplace for furniture, meeting new classmates for coffee, and cooking meals with mom in the apartment. We've eaten a lot of meals together. Our last one is a humble one. So it's the last day before we have to go and we're eating lunch. And so we bought three ears of sweet island corn from the Hy-Vee. And we're eating that for lunch and we're making a lot of noise. It's very good. Mom still thinks it's too expensive. They have so many on the field. Yeah. Three for two dollars. Very expensive for corn. Very sweet. Very good. Yeah, it's very sweet. You don't need butter or mm. salt or pepper or any of those. Nope. Feels like eating fruit. Yeah. Along with the corn, we eat fried rice that she made. Her fried rice doesn't have a set list of ingredients. It's usually filled with whatever she has in the refrigerator. And every time, no matter the ingredients, it's always delicious. Her fried rice has an essence that mine never has. The day of mom's departure arrives. Her flight is at 2 p.m. As usual, she's nervous about missing her flight, so we leave way too early for an airport that only has nine gates. Head east on East Jefferson Street toward Northland Street. The GPS tells us to get on Interstate 80 to get to the airport. I-80 extends all the way back to California. The car was pretty noisy, so the audio quality is a little bad. But Mom and I talk about how much we'd driven on this road trip. Keep left, okay. Yeah, you go to I-80. I-80, go home. We're going back to... I-80 West. Yeah, I know, right? We want to get back on this road 24 hours. Yeah, be 26 home. hours. 26 hours, and we'll be home. Oh, I just... It's a 30-minute drive to the airport. It's the last 30 minutes we will have together. She encourages me to take Chinese classes while I'm at school. I probably won't, even though it would help me read menus better. It grows quiet. She begins quietly singing. It's a Chinese love song that she introduced me to during this trip. I want to sing along, but I don't know the lyrics. 
so I'm perfectly happy just to listen. We reflect on our trip. It's a good trip. It's a good, it's, of course it's a good trip. Okay, okay. We'd spent almost every waking moment together for the last two weeks. Packing, driving, navigating, unpacking, but most importantly, eating. We pull up to the airport. I call you if it's the wrong airport, okay? Okay. I can give you a hug. We come out to mm. turn it off. What? You give me a proper long time. She tells me to turn off the car and come out to say a proper goodbye. She's quiet, and I know she doesn't want to say goodbye. I comfort her. I'll be home soon. Okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay, see you uh, soon. See you Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Enjoy life. Yeah. It's still okay. <laughs> she repeats what dad told me two weeks earlier. She tells me that it's okay to quit. I laugh, but I know that she's not completely joking. Me quitting grad school would mean that I would come home to her. We hug, and she walks into the airport, and I get in my car. Just dropped off my mom. I feel like the last two weeks have been really nice. It just, uh, I don't know, you're always a little apprehensive about spending a lot of time with your mom and ends up always being okay, which is really nice. Or at least for me, it ends up being okay. Now I'm really alone. Oh my God, what's for lunch? I don't know. Feeling that same feeling that I was feeling back in, back in California. Just a really kind of slightly just anxious, that's all. I begin the 30-minute drive back to my apartment in Iowa City. Before I know it, I'm tearing up. The sound quality is a little rough again. The highway was noisy, and I was recording with a phone on my lap. And I'm like listening to the cheesy Chinese song that my mom had been playing throughout the road trip. And I'm just thinking about how like I thought that this story was going to be a kind of story of me going to this new place and once I land and move in, it would just be this kind of solo adventure. But it's strange because I've just, in the last week, I've just done a lot of the things that I thought I would be doing by myself with my mom. And I'm actually, like, I'm actually kind of tearing up just driving right now, thinking about how, like, things that I'm losing, or not losing, just going away from my office and new, it's like family and friends and people, but I think it's just, it's like extra clear right now that it is more than that. It's that support, it's that like ability to just like have people that are always there for you, and it is really like... I don't know, I'm just very grateful right now for the last two weeks. I'm feeling a lot of love for my mom. I'm just feeling a lot of... 
know. Just feeling really emotional about it, and it feels good. It just feels quite amazing to have somebody that's just like ceaselessly giving and like loving to me. And it's really great. I'm gonna miss her a lot. When I get back, it's around 1.30 p.m. I haven't eaten lunch yet. I procrastinate with my newfound freedom. I putz around debating whether to reach out to some classmates. I decide against it. I get a text from mom during her layover in Denver. It says, It's okay not to cook and just eat takeout every day, but have to eat! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's 4.43 p.m., and I still haven't eaten lunch. I take out my phone and briefly consider delivery from Szechuan House. I decide not to because it would take over an hour to get here, and by then it would be dinner time. I know Szechuan House will become a safety blanket during my time here. No need to use it just yet. So I get up and go to my kitchen, partially out of guilt, but mostly because I know mom is right. I do need to eat. I open my fully stocked pantry and refrigerator and chuckle at the fact that I was worried about coming to Iowa. I was so worried about what I would eat that I didn't really think about who I would eat with. That the people you share meals with make the food taste better. That mom makes the food taste better. I close the refrigerator because I don't want to make garlic eggplant or pork chops. Instead, I open the freezer and fish out a large plastic bag. I turn on the stove and begin to boil water. I guess I'm grateful that my first meal alone will be these frozen dumplings. Thanks to Aaron Pang for bringing us this story. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer Caitlin Kelleher. I'm senior producer Caroline Rickert. I'm Terrence Johnson, and I'm the associate producer. I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Poynton and Anya Gzeshik of Ultraviolet Audio. Brian Campbell of Signal Sound's composer theme music, additional music by Cal Forster and Jordan Pearson. Jen Margolis. Is our director of post-production, and our line producer is... Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by... Angela Yang. Special thanks to Aaron's classmates for providing invaluable feedback on his work. He also wants to tell his mom that he'll be home soon. Jack Bishop. Is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen and... David Nussbaum is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors for this season, Kohler, Naked Wines, Auguste Escoffier School of Culinary Arts, Triscoll's, and Green Pan Cookware. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.